Yes, it's me, Mark Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. I'd like to welcome to today's Backseat Driver radio show a young chap called Mark Purnell. Uh, I follow Mark on Facebook because he's just done something that's always intrigued me. He's just built an Austin 7 special. Mark, welcome to the Backseat Driver radio show. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for inviting me. Now, looking at your Facebook page, before we touch on the uh, the special you've just built, vintage cars have been your life in many ways, and, and your fathers and everything else. Just run us through how all this came about. Um, well, I guess I, uh, I've, I've been doing it pretty much since birth, really. Um, I'm very lucky to, to have grown up in a family that's been involved in, in vintage cars, um, even to the extent that uh, my primary school was chosen... Uh, for me because the headmaster had an Austin 12 um, so we're going to that school and I don't know my father's got photographs of me as, pretty much as a toddler barely able to walk holding a ratchet spanner and leaning against the, uh, the running board on the Austin 12 as he was as he was building it so it's uh, it's been a family uh, sort of family journey I suppose you'd call it yeah shit I mean, in many ways, you've got to say that, that that's the proper reason. You don't pick a school for its uh, academic achievements, but the headmaster's got a got a vintage car. So, I mean, that's got to be the best reason going, hasn't it, that? Oh, exactly, exactly, yes. Yeah, well, the, the, the guy's name was uh, Jeff Walker. I mean, uh, he was quite uh, uh, quite known in the, in the Austin world. So, I mean, it was obviously going back a few years now, nearly 50 years, but um, uh, there may be some people out there that still remember the Walker family that... Uh, uh, that were into the, into the Austins and what have you, but, uh, but yeah, so that's basically how it started. Um, so he, uh, playing around with that Austin 12, and then he also made a, uh, an Austin 7 single-seater special um, whilst I was growing up, um, and he was working very hard. He was, a, he was, well, he was in the police force. He actually uh, was chief superintendent of the police, so he didn't uh, have much time to work on it. So I remember just as a young lad sitting in the garden shed in the remains of this Austin 7 special he was building for, for many years, sort of... Uh, five, six years old, dreaming of driving it to school. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of those projects that eventually will get finished, but you were never sure when. Exactly, yes. Yeah, I think he finished it... um, uh, I was was in my late teens when he did finish it. The the car is still about. It's not quite in the same form as it was uh, when he built it originally, but it it came to be a very successful car in the end. It ended up in the hands of a chap called Michael Fitzmaurice, um, who actually took most of the records on, on most of the hill climbs in in Britain with it um, and still hold most of the records with it so um, uh, no no, nothing that we did to the car he, he developed it greatly after we sold it or my dad sold it but, um, but yeah so it's, it's always been a been something in my life that's right and of course the other thing is that your father built was a, a Riley 9 yes which we still have um, that uh, again was about oh must be nearly 20 years ago now or probably my name more than that maybe a little bit longer than that um I remember going with him again. I was probably, uh, I guess, 12, 14 years old. We drove up to Sheffield. Um, I know you're obviously up in the north, but we're down in the south in Buckinghamshire. But I remember driving up to Sheffield with him to pick up the remains of this uh, Riley 9. <laughs> it was a Merlin, and it had the body on it. Well, I say the body was on it. The body had sort of... Was, was was hanging on it. Yeah, <laughs> it was just um, it was just propped on it really to show the body went with that chassis. That's right. Yes, and as we tried to winch it on the trailer, it all just completely collapsed. <laughs> uh, so uh, we just came back with the chassis and the engine and what have you. And uh, over the years, we've been campaigning that. Um, in the early days, my father and I both used to race it. Um, 
but uh, he's got a bit older now, bless him, he's in his 80s. Um, so he's decided to hang up his racing gloves a few years ago and, and, and has handed me the steering wheel. And uh, um, we've developed the car quite considerably just recently, in fact, and it's now actually going very well. It's, it's probably, I think we can claim it's the fastest riding line on the circuit at the moment. Right. Uh, and it's won many awards over the last couple of years. And, and yes, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great pleasure to drive and it's a great pleasure to work on. But, I mean, that's the thing about vintage cars. I mean, if you look at the, the past history of vintage cars and or when vintage cars weren't vintage cars, they were current cars, a, a lot of them, besides being, shall we say, family transport, at weekends took part in trials and hill climbs and everything else. It wasn't unusual for a, a vintage, what is now today a vintage car, to have done all sorts of things in its history, and nobody looks upon this as being unusual. That's, that's correct, yes, exactly, yes, exactly. Um, now, of course, we move forward a little bit, and as I said, you've decided, well, you decided it was for your son, really, to build an Austin 7 special of your own. That's right, yes, so, um, three years ago, in fact, well, you probably saw yesterday as I put on Facebook, it was exactly three years ago, uh, yesterday, um, I put a little note on Facebook, I mean, good old Facebook, it's amazing what you can bore people with, but amazing what you can find, um, just, uh, can somebody help my 15-year-old lad, we'll see 15 at the time, um, get into racing because uh, he wanted to do that. Unfortunately, he, he's now old enough now, but at the time he wasn't able to, to, to drive the Riley because you have to have a different type of licence because of the power of the car and they changed the licensing laws. Um, so we thought, well, we'll get him a little Austin 7. So I, I put a play out on, on the Facebook pages and you know, Austin 7 as sites and what have you. And a very kind chap in Salisbury contacted me saying he had a an engine, gearbox, front and rear axle, um, various other bits and bobs um, for my son. And if, and if I wanted to drive down to Salisbury to get it, I can have it for free. I mean, what what the, the, the what started? What did the that Austin Seven start life as? Because all Austin Seven specials, unless you happen to be wealthy enough or fortunate enough to have an Ulster, uh, most Austin Seven specials never started life in the form that they're now in. No, exactly. I mean, well, as it came to me, I mean, I've got a a Toyota Hilux pickup truck. Um, we threw all the bits in the back of that. So um, it uh, it was just literally a pile of bits. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it didn't even have a chassis. The the chassis itself, actually, again, there's another story to that, if you like. Um, my father, back in the uh, um, late, or I said late, probably early 80s, middle 80s, um, his best friend who lived in the village with him, they, they, again, both into into their vintage cars. Um, this chap's name is David Marchant, um, and his son, Ben Marchant, is still around now doing vintage stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I knew that uh, my father and, and, and David had been working on an Austin 7, on an Austin 7 chassis that they were going to build up alongside the Austin 7 my father previously built. Yeah. Um, but uh, sadly, David became ill and, and died very early of cancer, and the chassis went to Ben. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I rang Ben and said, have you still got the chassis that uh, your dad and my dad had been uh, trying to build you know, many, many, many years ago? And he said, oh, no, I've sold it to uh, another chap, um, which he gave him the number for. So I rang him up and I said, have you still got the chassis? <laughs> said, yes, it's sitting in the loft. <laughs> well, so, that's uh, the one uh, thing. They're uh, not exactly a big thing, aren't Austin 7 chassis, are they? Exactly. So, um, but, it, but the nice thing was it was something that's, kind of loosely been in the family for years if yeah. you saw them. 
Um, it wasn't just an Austin 7 chassis. It was an Austin 7 chassis that had connections to my father and, and, and Ben's father. So I thought it would be quite nice to actually get hold of that one to put the bits on that I had. Yeah. Um, and actually make the car that my father and, and his friend were planning on making all those years ago. So yeah. that's kind of where it came from. So you are there. You are there, so you you, you you got the chassis. You got all the bits and pieces. I mean, where do you begin building one? Because I mean, it's like I've just said, the Practical Classics magazine uh, as a bit of a celebration of reproduced the very first Haynes manual and the very first Haynes manual which was more or less a, a little typed up thing, I mean the, the history of that little manual is fascinating um, is how to build an Austin 7 special so where do you, because you look at that and you think right, where do you start? Um, well I think the, reason, the, the initial part um, obviously I didn't have any manuals <laughs> <laughs> I can vouch for that because the one that I drive that belongs to a good friend of mine called Andy Jones is a little box saloon. Uh, I'm six foot, Andy's six foot four, and when we go out in it, it's definitely, when we're in it, it's not so bad, it's surprisingly spacious, though I do have to peep down under the windscreen to see out. But, uh, yeah, it, we, we look a little incongruous, two six foot and six foot plus, climbing in this tiny little car. That's it. Yes, yes. So, so anyway, that, that was the first bit. And then after that, I, I guess um, I did the mechanics, I suppose, first. I, I, I built another car previous uh, to the Austin, uh, which I was, was a Morris Cowley, which I built the body first and I did the mechanics. But yeah. this way, I did the Austin the other way around, actually. I got the actual uh, running gear, the engine, you know, uh, basically a rolling chassis, I suppose you'd call it, Yeah. Um, going first. In fact, we actually drove, or Ben, my son, drove the the car itself without anybody working it at all to start with. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, it's kind of just. I think weather dependent as well because I've got a. I mean, I've got a small farm here. But I haven't got a, a, a huge amount of space to work indoors, so a lot of the work on the car has been done outside. Yeah. So if it's raining, I've been working in, in the garage and doing mechanical bits that I can do off the car, and then uh, uh, obviously do the the the, 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 the bodywork. I can get outside there. So I think, yeah, I think I actually, there was no particular plan as such. It was just, um, just to get it going, I think. Yeah. I mean, like the engine and the, uh, the axles and everything else, did you have to strip them down or, or were they, shall we say, ready to go or were they of an age where you thought, well, I'd better strip them down and uh, see to them before anything else? Um, the, oh, the engine, but well, that is a story itself. Um, the engine that came with the pile of bits that I bought initially, um, the only thing left in the car now is, so with an Austin 7, you have a crankcase, then you have an engine block, and then you have a cylinder head, so it's three separate pieces. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So the the head and the block um, were okay. I had to have the block, has been reboard, obviously, um, it had a lot of broken studs in it, so that went away to be, um, my machining skills weren't up to be able to, to um, take out all the broken studs 
Yeah. And, and also because I'm going to be racing the car, or hopefully racing the car, my son is, um, we've done some mods to the, uh, to the inlet valves and what have you, so the seats have been opened up where the valves, to the inlet valves, which is a, an Austin 7 trick. Yeah. Uh, but that all had to be done on a proper machine jig. Because um, just butting in, perchance, the, perchance you don't know, the Austin 7 gets its name 7 from the fact it was 7 horsepower which was, shall we say, it was like a tax dodge in many ways because anybody who had a big engine got taxed very heavily. So if you only had a little horsepower, uh, you didn't get much taxation. So, But to, to make them go, you have to breathe on them a bit, don't you? Exactly, yes, yes. So, um, so I've done, well, hopefully what uh, most most of the, uh, the racing guys have done, I've obviously... Uh, uh, whilst I've been in a paddock with O'Reilly, I've been asking people what they've been up to and what's the tricks of the trade are. Um, so hopefully uh, I've managed to do that with with this one. Um, but then fortunately the crankcase itself, um, it's aluminium. Uh, obviously over time, the aluminium corrodes. Um, and, and the one tricky thing on the Austin 7 engine is, well, again, it's not really tricky, it's just fiddly. The camshaft has to fit through three bearings. Yeah. It went either end which is easy, because they're just a bronze bush. But one in the middle are little roller bearings, and it fits inside a housing, which you have to fiddle in with your fingers to push the camshaft through. Yeah. Um, so the original crankcase that came with the engine, I put it all together. Uh, it was just to put the, put the block on the, on the crankcase, and was tightening up the block, and I just heard this dink, and the surround of the centre bearing, as it, which is the aluminium casting in the case, Snapped off. Yeah. Oh. It was on, it was on one of those B moments. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, I got hold of another one, and it did the same again. Right. Uh, so I'm on the third crankcase now, but that seems to be old. <laughs> it's not the same crankcase, but uh, but yes. No, so the, the mod wise of it is, as I say, it's had the inlets opened for the for the for the for the valves, so they're almost touching exhaust valves. But that's apparently what we do. Yeah. Uh, it's got very lightweight racing pistons, uh, which are half, again half the size of what it would normally be. Yeah, uh, and I've also fitted what they call a Phoenix crank. And, and now that's the favourite. That that appears to be the key to most things is a Phoenix crank, which is a modern crank, really, isn't it? It is. Yes, yes. Uh, they're, they're firm based standing slout, um, uh, and I've used them a few times. But there's a Phoenix in the Riley, and there was a Phoenix in the Singer I made. Um, and I just called them up and said, uh, you know, could I possibly uh, have a crank and rods? And, and they, they make them in batches. So, uh, right. Uh, you, 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 at the time, I had to wait about six months for that. But they do, just because it was bad timing on my part, um, I rang them just after they'd sold it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, they are fairly readily, uh, readily available. Yeah. Um, but they, because obviously with the Austin, it's only a two-bearing, what well, is engines only a two-bearing crank. Um, so you, you obviously get the flex in the middle uh, it, it, with a with standard crank and you can end up obviously racing it. Yeah. Otherwise you can end up throwing something through the side of the engine, which is not obviously ideal. No, no. But, I mean, that's the other thing about, from what I can gather about Austin 7s, uh, most of the parts are actually readily available, especially for the engine and things like that. That's right, they are. I mean, there's several um, firms out there now. There's... Uh, a guy called Dave Cochran, who's Austin 7 spares, and there's um, a couple of other Austin 7 people that are doing spares, so you can, I mean, you could almost virtually probably build a new Austin 7. <laughs> 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 uh, 
it's amazing how much is out there and and what's that out there? It's amazing how much the skills of, of other firms that can make you other things that need to be made if, if, if needs be. You know? Yeah. So after you've done the engine, I mean, you then move on to the gearbox. And the one thing I know about an Austin 7 gearbox is it'll either drift into gear like a hot knife through butter or you can play various tunes on it whilst it decides it might let you engage your cog. That's correct, yes. I mean, luckily enough, the gearbox that came with my set of spares um, well certainly at the moment touch wood <laughs> lane, um, seems to be I mean I, don't, I took it all completely apart um, and just replaced a couple of bearings inside it but other than that the gears themselves actually seem um, for its age in reasonably good condition so um, well they've got, it's got to be the most robust gearboxes I've ever driven because as I said you play tunes on these things and they never seem to complain no, that's right. Yes, yeah. As I say, it's uh, it, it's a, it's a pretty good, as you say, right? Best. I mean, I've got a four-speed box in the in the special I built now. And obviously, they come in a three-speed as well. Um, but as I say, yes. Now I'm mean, going to go to parts, expecting to see all sorts of horrors and nightmares because it was a uh, really uh, obviously it wasn't rusty because it was aluminium, but it was covered in crud and yeah. mud. Um, and I was expecting to open it up and have a similar experience on the inside. <laughs> Yeah, so basically the gearbox in the special is a standard gearbox then. Yes, yes. Right. So, um, again, I've spoken to various people um, uh, who do the racing with me. I, obviously, with my Riley, I'm, uh, I do hill climbs and sprints with it. So I, it's an 1100 supercharged. So it, it's in what they call class 13. Yeah. Which is the same as what the Austin 7 racing car is in. Right. So, um, so I've got a lot of competition in my class 13, which are Austin 7s. <coughs> so I've... I've uh, uh, interrogate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you not? Ra- have you not raised any suspicion? Why is a man that races Riley's pestering us about Austin Sevens? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've questioned quite a few of my fellow competitors, and uh, to be honest with you, I mean the Riley's going. As I say, it's going like the proverbial. But what's knocking on my door of the Riley are Austin Sevens. Yeah, uh, and they're, um, they're, I've been beaten a couple of times by. <laughs> favourite thing is as well uh, you you'll have, have you, I conclude you fit an alternative uh, carburetor to it to make it draw a bit more in uh, yes I've got an SU carb on it now um, other than the standard uh, downdraft carburetor we've had um, so it's, yes it should be getting a little bit more fuel in than, than, than standard yeah 
And then, of course, we move on to the ever thorny subject of the Austin Sevens brakes. Well, I was I had the best description a few weeks ago at Mallory Park with a, an Austin Seven guy. He said, oh, all Austin Sevens have ABS fitted. Anything but stop. And having driven my friend's car, and his has the more, his has the better brakes, which means when you hit the pedal, uh, basically, all all contorting wires and twisting axles operate on all four brakes at once. And, of course, if you really realise that you aren't stopping, you yank the handbrake on as well. But they are notorious for not stopping. That's correct, yes. I, um, uh, a few years ago, I uh, borrowed, uh, previously, my father's friend, David March, who sadly passed away, he had a chummy, Austin chummy. Uh, he, he kindly let me let me use it for the uh, Herefordshire trial yeah. a few years ago. Um, and my father was my bouncer, and we were driving down, uh, I forget which little village town it was now, and there was a tractor coming the other way, and I put my foot on the brakes, and uh, the foot just went straight to the floor, and we just carried on going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, bank, the bank works as very good as a brake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I've cheated. I've, I've, I've done the cheat with the, with the special, and I've converted it to hydraulic brakes, uh, which is, uh, again, is, is quite a common thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically all Morris Minor, early Morris Minor parts. Yeah. Will fit, will fit the Austin. Um, so it's got a Morris Minor uh, uh, master cylinder. Yeah. Uh, connected up to Morris Minor um, wheel cylinders. Um, had to change the back plate slightly to, to accommodate the cylinders. Um, but other than that, oh, no, you have to also um, box in, you, you have the radius arms. Yeah. go from front axle to the centre. It's a good idea to box those in, otherwise they can twist. Yeah. And they're not, cause they're not used to actually working. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yes, no. So, this one, it, it will actually, we've got it. So, it, it, if you push on the brake pedal, it will lock up the fronts and, uh, uh, well, equally the rears as well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a racing, it's a racing con trick. Yeah. Uh, I suppose you call it. But, um, Safety comes. I mean, at the end of the day, as I was building the car, I was very conscious that I'm actually building it for my youngest son to drive. So, um, as much as sometimes it irritates me, I don't want to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and then, not long ago, I mean, well, I mean, bodywork. I mean, on Austin Seven Specials, it's it's a case of really anything goes. I mean, you look at some of them, and I've seen bodywork in plywood. I've seen bodywork in aluminium. I've even seen bodywork in thick cardboard. Yes, and, and obviously fabric is another. Yes, another thing. <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, no. I've I've gone for the aluminium option. Yeah, uh, um, I made a very lightweight uh, frame to attach the aluminium to. I, mean, I was toying with just actually making the whole thing out of slightly thicker aluminium. Yeah, and that wouldn't need a frame. Um, but then I thought, well, you know, things do happen. It, it is possible that it could turn over or something horrible. Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, and I'll make it with a frame because if anything did happen. Then obviously, um, I don't want it to flatten itself on top of where he's driving. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I made a tubular frame, um, which actually my son uh, Ben welded up. He's much better welder than I am. Yeah. I, I, I don't quite. I think it's a generation thing. Either you can do it, or you can't do it. So, I mean, I can weld, but he can weld like it looks like it's been welded by a professional. I can weld. It looks like it's been welded by a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a little bit like on the other occasion I have an attempt and you think, right, well done, we'll take it all apart, clean it up and do it properly. That's it, yes, exactly. So, so yeah, so I made, uh, uh, or we made a, a, a hooped frame on it and then um, I covered it with uh, a very thin aluminium sheet. It's actually um, 
in technical terms, if you want to get boring, it's a 1.2 mil thick aluminium sheet, which was the thinnest, lightest aluminium I could get. Yeah. Uh, so, um, there's a whole basis, the, the, the very start of the, of the build, obviously, when I, was, when I started from, what I should have said was, my, my actual um, outlook at the start was to make it very light and simple. Yeah. Um, because I thought, if I, if I make it light, it's going to obviously go better. And if I keep it simple, it's going to be easier to repair when anything goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's completed, of course, it's a single seater. Anybody who follows you on Facebook will have noticed that uh, with great glee you took it out for a test room. I did, yes. I'm lucky enough to have a little private lane uh, near where I live. So um, a bit bumpy and it was a bit wet. Um, but yes, it, 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 it pulls along. I couldn't, couldn't obviously give it any sort of racing speeds but uh yeah, certainly got up into, into top gear and it uh, it drove along fairly well actually yes yeah, very pleased so you, you you're happy with the end result because the other thing was you when i originally spoke to you about coming on the show you said that your son has slightly lost interest in it a little bit but after having a go he's uh he's very enthusiastic which is interesting because he now works within the world of motor racing that's correct, yes, yes. He works for a company called United Motorsports. Um, and actually, at the moment, as we speak, he's down in Monza um, with, the, with the team. Uh, they're racing down there this week. Um, so he, uh, after having a lifetime of uh, vintage car uh, racing with me, I mean, he's, he's, he's like me. He's been coming to these meetings, and he's been helping me since he was a, a babe in arms. Yeah. Uh, and I believe you spoke to Tanya Brown. Yes, Tanya was a Tanya was a guest on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, she initially she was a bit reluctant about coming on, and I said, "Don't worry." And basically, we to we to to shut her up, we to knock the microphones off. She off she went. Well, well Tanya, Tanya very kindly because obviously she's now the uh, secretary of ASCC, but uh, uh, back in the day, well, say about eighteen years now, seventeen years, she um, was also obviously working with the ASCC, but she used to to be the paddock uh, organiser and organised all the drivers and, and everybody in the paddocks yeah. uh, at meetings. So whilst I was racing the Riley, Ben was in a push chair, or later on was a toddler, um, and she used to sit on him and <laughs> stop him getting in the way while I was on, while I was on the track. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, Ben's been there a long time, but then he, obviously you say, got involved with United Autosports, which is a brilliant, brilliant option here, uh, 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 thing for him to be doing. Um, and he's been all over the, uh, the world at the moment with the racing team. They just came back from Le Mans, which they won. Uh, they won Le Mans uh, a couple of weeks ago and the championship. So it was, it was full of that. So he's been playing with all these lovely, big, expensive, modern racing cars. Um, and yes, he kind of, I think he lost a little bit of the vision of the, of the vintage car. Yeah. Um, but now he's driven it. He's, he's, he came back on, uh, uh, on, on Saturday when we drove it. Um, the biggest grin on his face. <laughs> I won't say exactly what he said, but it was on the lines of Dad, that goes very fast. Yeah. <laughs> There's another word in between that, which I can't put on the radio. <laughs> But it's, it's one of those things, if you talk to a lot of people in motor racing, in modern motor racing, it's surprising how many of them in their in their spare time or in their off time are keen on vintage cars and vintage racing. It seems to be, it's the complete antithesis of the world that they work in, but it takes them back to what motor racing used to be. Exactly, yes, yes. And I think, um, I mean, even just going back to like the, sort of the 1980s I used to watch the 
Formula One. I must admit, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't particularly follow Formula One these days. Um, Nor do I. I now find it rivetingly boring. The dr- exactly. There isn't a driver <laughs> with an iota of character. They're all PR controlled. They don't say a thing without a team round them, telling them what they can and cannot say. But back then, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, the drivers used to say it as it is. These That's Those right. guys really could drive cars. And after they finished racing, fair enough, most of them were playboys. They lived a lifestyle that most of us would have given the right arms to be having. Exactly, yes, yes. I mean, you know, in the days you had old Murray Walker doing the commentary and all that sort of stuff, that was proper racing going on. It's, um, <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's, as you say, the corporates have taken over it now to, to a certain extent. But, um, so, but no, I mean, but the, 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 the vintage racing and the, and the classic racing, you actually, you're driving the car. You're, yeah. You're... You're in the, the car as part of you. You get in the car and put it on. Yeah. Um, the other thing about it, but it's like all vintage cars or whatever. I mean, most most be, most of my listeners know that my toy, for want of a better term, is a Morgan 4.4. And somebody said to me, what, what is it about that car that you like? I said, well, fair enough. I said, it has a modern Ford Z-Tech engine up front. I said, but the car is inherently a 70-odd-year-old design. I said, it's still a vintage car to drive. I said, and it does nothing for you. You have got to drive it. You have got to make it do what you want it to do. And I think that's the thing about vintage cars. They they don't help the driver. The driver has to send them on. Exactly, yes, yes. You have to feel your way, you know, around the corners and, and, and that sort of thing. And, you, and you're listening to the car all the time because the slightest change of note, you think that's not right. Yeah. You know, you, you know something's wrong because you can, you can sense it, feel it, hear it. Um, so it's a... Uh, it's, it's, uh, more of an experience uh, than I think than driving something modern. And the other thing is as well, you look at vintage cars and these days everybody talks about these great vast tyres that cars have on them and everything else. And you look at an Austin 7 and most Austin 7s run on what inherently are motorbike sidecar tyres. That's correct, yes, yes, that's right. Um, but again, uh, the other weekend, uh, again, obviously, it was with the Riley, so I couldn't take the Austin yet, but um, I was at Shelsey Welsh, hill climb. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the Riley was doing pretty well. I mean, I, I climbed in, in just over 40 seconds, um, which for a vintage car, isn't it, 1100, is, is a pretty good time. Yeah. But then you look at the modern cars, and they're doing it like in half that time. You just think, they can stop themselves on a sixpence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their brakes and tyres. It's just, it's a different world, completely different sort of beast. And the other thing is, like we said about the tyres, I mean, the only thing a tyre does on a vintage car is, shall we say, give it something more pliant to run on, because if you look at a vintage car's tyres, they don't really offer a great deal in the way of grip. They're too narrow to get offered much in the way of grip. That's right, yes, yes. I mean, you, you kind of, uh, certainly with the more powerful cars, you, you, you sort of steer them, steer them with the rear, rear wheels, you know, um, uh, you let it... You do let it slide about a bit. It's the only way you can do it, really. But, I mean, have you any other projects uh, lined up? Has your lad got the bug back? Is he eyeing anything else up? Is he eyeing up your Riley? Well, he, he definitely wants to drive the Riley. <laughs> um, the Riley, at the moment, it actually still belongs to my father. Yeah. Uh, who's uh, obviously still with us, thankfully. Um, but that has said he can uh, he can drive it. We're, we're hoping... I mean, I've only ever done hill climbs and sprints for many many years so my competition license i've got is uh um 
uh, sort of restricted for just hill bumps and sprints. So yeah. I haven't actually got a full circuit license. Uh, neither has Ben, um, yeah. son. So, um, but we we decided this. It's over to uh, after Christmas and, and in the early New Year, we're going to both go and take our uh, our arts test, which allows us to um, then upgrade our licenses to uh, to racing licenses, and then, then we're going to both be able to start racing. And then, it, then it, when Ben when Ben then has his upgraded license, he would then be allowed to use the Riley on the hill climbs and sprints. Yeah. So, so uh, he'll, he'll definitely be out in that next year, I'm sure. Right. Uh, do you and intend? He, he, do you intend? Do you intend doing any trials? Do you fancy going back to any trialing? I I, I would quite like to. We did uh, double back in. I mean, as you saw that photograph I sent you. I know photographs are very good for radio, but the photograph I sent you the other day with the little blue singer number twenty. Yeah, that was a, a trials car that I built. Um, so again, going back to the photos I sent you, the uh, other singer I've got the, the red and black singer. Junior. Yeah. Um, that was the second car I ever brought. Um, I bought that back in 1988. Yeah. I that was my only car. That was my I drove to work and everything. And I met my wife in that car. <laughs> 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 and was caught there in that car. And amazingly, she's still with me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my car is still with me, and my wife's still with me. But uh, the singer junior at the time was quite rare, so I started saving up, going to various you know, uh, auto jumbles, what have you, saving spare parts and what have you. Um, and looked in the garage one day and thought, oh, I don't know, I've got an engine, gearbox, chassis, front rear axles. So I built the trials car then. Yeah. Uh, with the help of my father. Um, we used to trials that a lot. Um, and then uh, I was made an offer to, to, to sell it, which I couldn't refuse, so I sold it and built the Morris. But then my father also built another Morris at the same time, so we used to trial that. Yeah. And he, he sold his Morris, but I've still got my Morris, the green one. <laughs> And Ben actually trialled it uh, the year before last. We did the Cotswold trial with it. All right. Um, uh, based in Prescott. Um, and, and we did okay. Right up and we did three quarters of the day and then the clutch went. Yeah. Um, it's a court, court clutch. We, we, we retired. But I'm actually seriously thinking about going back to it again now. We were going to go back to this year, but of course with COVID and everything else, um, they're all cancelled again at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. The vast majority. So I think I will. I would quite like to get back into trials with with uh, either with Ben or anybody else wants to come. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the beauty of trials is, especially if you were on the four seater, uh, you can take the entire family with you, can't you? Because everybody can bounce. Exactly. Yes. I mean, the good thing with trials is it's a very good value for money. I mean, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I love doing the racing, but it's, it's obviously not the cheapest of hobbies to do. Um, whereas trialing, you. Well, the last time I did it, it was about 50 quid for the day. Yeah. And you get old days vintage motoring. And, uh, and as you say, you get to meet lots of people and uh, have a sandwich in a pub. And, and uh, it's, it's good fun. It's a, a good day out. And in many ways, you're still, apart from the ones that have had to be altered or things like that, you're still driving up the trials hills that they've driven up the trials hills for from like uh, 1920s. You're still recreating the original routes. Exactly, yes, yes. I mean, you obviously take the Lakeland and, and trial and what have you, driving up front house. I mean, they've been doing that for, for donkey's years. And uh, uh, and there was another hill there called the Smatcher, which has been, I think that's been around one of the first trials hills ever, uh, you know, as you say, since the day of trialling, basically. But, no, 
Mark Pinnell, it's been absolutely fascinating chatting to you. Thank you very much indeed. I'm hoping, I mean, I've said that one day I would like to build an Austin 7 special. The problem is I'm not overly mechanically minded, but it is something that I hope one day to do, even if I don't really do anything with it, I will I will still like to drive one because they are fascinating little cars in their own way. I mean, as a friend of mine said, he said, I can remember as a kid, he said, seeing them on garage forecourts for £10, second and third, and fourth hand and now they've got a phenomenal and an ever increasing following of the Austin 7s that's right yes yes but, they are very popular but once again Mark Pennell thank you very much for joining me on the Backseat Right Driver Radio Show it's been fascinating chatting to you all the best to yourself and your lad and at some point in time I'm hoping that I will be stood at uh, the hill climb side watching you come past in the Austin 7 and the Riley but once again Mark <laughs> Pennell thanks very much for joining me Thank you very much indeed. Once again, Mark Pennell, thanks very much for joining me on the Backseat Driver Radio Show. Thank you, Mark. Thank you.